Good things are happening. God's on the move. Stuff's unfolding. They get cool stuff. Just, you know, just hanging out with him is pretty amazing. And then he does some really amazing things like, uh, I don't know, open the door for some surgery that needs to happen. And who knows where that will lead. Things happen in Kentucky and spreading all over the place. It's good stuff. We are in the book of Malachi, the messenger. And we have some uh, uh, things that we're going to deal with here that are outcomes. And this is the fourth chapter of Malachi, which means we're close to the end because there are only four. Meet the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies. Malachi 4, 1. Meet <laughs> this... You, you, I know when you read these things, you just read the sentence, and then you read the next sentence, and you read the next sentence, and you start, you know, okay, that applies to my life today, or it doesn't apply to my life today, and now I'm on about my business. So, let's just stop right there. Who is this? The Lord. He is sitting on his throne. He doesn't have to because he's lord of everything master of everything creator of everything but the image is he is the one on the throne who has the authority who has the power who has the right to rule and so he is sitting on his throne to all authority and he has the right to control armies heavenly beings and you've seen some um, armies, or you've seen movies of armies marching, ancient armies, and masses, uh, just numbers and numbers, and they come across a hill, and you just think, oh, wow, that's just overwhelming. Or maybe a blitz with a bunch of airplanes flying in, and they've come over an area and just swarm, and you've got swarms and massive numbers. And you can you can imagine if... If you think back to the time of uh, ancient days when dinosaurs roamed and you watch some of the Jurassic Park movies and you see those just in herds running. And those are just a variety of creatures that are physical on earth. God created all the beings in heaven as well. And there are beings like birds and well, furry animals and, you know, they're just other critters. But these other beings are in his army. Some of them are winged. Most are not. It's unnecessary for them to fly. I mean, unnecessary for them to have wings to fly because they have other abilities. These are heavenly beings. They are connected to, and in Scripture, when you're reading through Scripture, you will see that when mention of the stars are made, that's also references to the holy ones, the sons of God, the heavenly beings. They are listed, so those are used interchangeably at times. And there are moments when God will say, look up at the stars and count them. Just count them. How many are there? How many do you see? And now we have 
extra telescopes, fancy telescopes that see way out there and there's more to count. And the more they see, there's more to count. And beyond that, there's more to count. And we are reading in the first line of this fourth chapter that he is the Lord of heaven's armies. The word myriad is often used in some of these translations, and myriad of myriads. Thousands of thousands, millions of millions, billions of billions, Googles of Googles. It's a lot. Count them. Just count them. So he doesn't have much to say. That's where I want to run with this. In our worldly version of this, we read right past the Lord of Heaven's armies. Yeah, he doesn't have much to do with my life. I have the big stuff going on in my life. Really? This is the Lord of Heaven's armies. Those heavenly beings are at his control. And he sends them to do his bidding. Fortunately, he loves us. And we are told in Hebrews that he sends them to take care of us. But he's also going to deal with his own people in ways to get their attention. There are outcomes as a result of our decisions to either get close to him and follow him and do what he's told us to do, or we decide to turn our back on him and go our own way. We start with turning our back on him when we don't realize that he is the Lord of heaven's armies. When we think we are equal to him, when we think we are eye to eye, and that really he's our servant, and he's supposed to make things come out the way we want them to come out, because we, in our arrogance, think we are above and beyond anything he has to offer. So let me invite you to chapter 4 of Malachi, recognizing that he, and he alone, is Lord of heaven's armies. And let's see what happens. The outcome of arrogance and wickedness. The Lord of heaven's armies says, The day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. On that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed. Roots, branches, and all. So there's a day. He doesn't say which day. He doesn't say it's going to come in March or April. He doesn't tell us the year. And if it's somebody we don't like, we need it to be last week. But if it's something he's doing, which he's the Lord, he determines. And he will bring it about. He will bring it about. He is speaking to not the people outside of Israel, but he's speaking to the people in Israel. These are the people of the nation that he's talking about. Not that those outside won't face this as well. There's, there's other passages. But we're talking about Malachi, the messenger, the message to the people of Israel and laying out these, these truths. So this is the day of judgment. It's coming. Burning like a furnace. So just imagine the, the flames and the heat. And it is cranked up. The arrogant and wicked will be burned up like straw. And you know how fast straw burns, so that's, that's pretty easy. But look at this. 
they will be consumed. So when you throw something into the fire or the fire comes down on a, on a forest, this is talking roots, branches, and all. And if you see a forest fire going across the mountains in California or Colorado or something, you see that, and the flames will hit those places and it will destroy pine trees and the underbrush. And shortly it pops back. This next spring, the rains come and you know why? Roots are okay. What happens when you burn the roots out? There ain't nothing left. There is no life. There is nothing coming back next spring. It is done. When he says he's coming in to burn, he means burn it down. All the way to the roots, there will be nothing, nothing left. That's what he's talking about when judgment rolls in. It is a furnace. Arrogant. Having an offensive attitude of superiority while regarding others as inferior and due scorn. It also can be seeking the spotlight. Having an offensive attitude of superiority while regarding others as inferior and due scorn. That's person to person. It's how they regard God in this case. It's how... People in our day, people who are believers, people in churches, people they just, you know, God really doesn't do what I want him to do when I want him to do it. So he ain't much. He doesn't have the power to fix it. I'll just do it my way. And then the words of scorn or the attitude of scorn or the belligerence comes out. And regarding others as inferior. And if they're inferior, treat them however you want. You can tell when you go with other believers to a restaurant on a Sunday if they're arrogant or not. How do they treat waitstaff? And you can see it. Most waitstaff hate Sunday because of the Christians who come after church and treat them badly and then don't tip them very well or leave them those fake $20 bill things that say, come to Jesus instead of real money. What is that? And we think we're fooling God or we're special because they're working, they're inferior, and do scorn. See the arrogance? Ought not be, but it happens. The wicked, evil or morally bad in principle or practice. Evil or morally bad in principle or practice, seeking material gain, immoral advantage or power. And that happens among God's people. That's what he's addressing here in Malachi, is the people who are, who are walking in, in that kind of darkness. And they're practicing this evil on a regular basis. They're, they're not listening to God. They don't have a concern for others because others are less than them. They are the exalted ones. And they deserve to get whatever good things or whatever they want. So if they want a sexual advantage, they take it. You can just read the highlights of the last month of the number of ministries and ministers who have been involved in that very thing. Wickedness in those, in those places ought not be happening. And that furnace will be hot. And God is not going to allow those things to continue. Evil or morally bad in principle or practice. 
the idea that everybody's, you know, basically good on the inside. I just want you to step back a minute, look at the news, read history, look around in your own family and tell me that's true. Because it is so far from true. That doesn't mean that God doesn't see good possibilities in us or that we ought not see that in others. But that doesn't excuse the reality of evil exists, wickedness exists, and arrogance is everywhere. And it is thick. And just see how quick somebody, if they get pushed out of the spotlight, if they don't get to be the center of attention, you can, you can read the stories. TMZ will tell you. Well, this one got bumped out. They got a bigger crowd at their entertainment venue. Oh, my gosh. Stuff starts. Twitter starts. Everything gets going on social media. If you don't get enough likes on your Facebook page, you've got to figure out some way to bait people to come participate. I'm not saying you guys, but that stuff happens out there. You go, really? Yeah, seeking the spotlight. Got to be the one. And that somehow that proves that I have an existence here or just justifies my behavior or proves that I am better than others. And so when I'm better than others, I can treat them however comes to mind. And it is horrible, which is what he's addressing. Day of judgment is coming. It is coming. Burning like a furnace. And on that day, the arrogant, the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed. Roots, branches, and all. The outcome of a right relationship with God. Malachi's real good. He gives us one. Okay, here's the bad side. Here, here's some hope. So here's the hope part. Verse 2. But for you who fear my name. The son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings and you will go free, leaping with joy like calves let out to pasture. If you've ever seen that, you know how excited they get and they go bounding everywhere. And it's great. It's just fun to watch them. So this is for those who fear his name. This is different than the arrogant and the wicked. These are, these are people who actually understand that he is the Lord of heaven's armies, that he is good, that he loves, that he is unchangeable, that he is coming into our lives to make a difference, and he wants us to live better. And that, knowing that, fearing him, fearing his name, changes everything. The sun of righteousness will rise. You know how the sun works in the morning, and you see it, and it gets brighter and brighter. And he's talking about, well, this is the sun coming up with righteousness. That's what's shining. That's the light that's coming. The righteousness of God, doing the right things, being rightly related with God, rightly related with other people, living out that kind of, that rightness carries over, and that light spreads like the sun of righteousness. So that's what he's he's. Leading us to see. There's, this is coming. And when he shows up, and we can change that to S-O-N as well, because that's who he's actually talking about anyway. The Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. <laughs> wow. 
Okay, so now we've got the wing Im- imagery again. Wings are a variety of things in Scripture, so there's a different ways these can be taken. So this, don't think chicken wings, eagle wings. This is just a variety of ways to see uh, different things. So there, there's a, an account of a lady who has a medical issue and she's been dealing with it for 12 years. She's used all of her money, seen all the best doctors in Israel or whoever is in that area. And she finds Jesus. So this is, you know, while well, Jesus is going through a crowd, and she comes up, and she's thinking, this guy, he's going to other towns, and healings are taking place. I'm going to take a chance. I think he can heal me. But she doesn't want to be in the spotlight. She doesn't want to, she's just in a crowd. And, and, and she's socially, because of her, her blood issue, she, she has an issue of blood, then she is not allowed within the culture. She's unclean in, in a way, so just not acceptable within the social setting. So here she is on the outside. But she comes into the crowd because she can sneak in and nobody's going to call her out. She doesn't want to be called out. She is trying to be as quiet and secretive as she can. She comes in. She grabs, you know the story, the fringe on the edge of his garment and is immediately healed. You know what that refers to? The wings. And she's just touched it. And then she's healed. He knows the power's gone out. And this woman who wants to be really quiet and unseen, he calls her out of the crowd. Because he is really mean. <laughs> and he says, you. And gets her story. And he just says, you are now... You are free. What happened socially was she was just brought up. The guy everybody came to see spoke to her, not the other people, her. Brings her, elevates her, heals her physically, emotionally, relationally, socially. She is restored. Hmm. And you will go free. You will go free. And she did. So she goes, she goes move, moves on, lives <laughs> probably an amazing life after that. After Jesus is gone, he's, he's died, resurrected, ascended to the Father, and the church that existed at t- that time and all the believers are in Jerusalem, and they're worshiping in the temple from house to house. They're still getting together. The uh, Holy Spirit has come on them, and at this point, chapter 3 of the book of Acts, we have... We have John and Peter, and they're going to the temple to pray. Three o'clock in the afternoon, they come across a guy who's been lame, can't walk, hasn't walked ever in his whole life. They just bring him, they sit him on a blanket, he sits by the gate, and he begs for money for people. to. That's how he makes his living. That's how all of them did. That was just the normal way that that was handled. So he asked Peter and John for money, and they said, well, we don't have any money, but what we do have... We give to you in the name of Jesus, you know, walk. Well, there's something. 
So he gets up and he's walking. And it says he is jumping and leaping and he is praising God. So, hmm. Son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings and you will go free, leaping with joy like calves let out to pasture. And it's unfolding. The sun has come. And this is only a taste. This isn't like full on. It just, this is just at the edge of sunrise. When you see a little bit of light on the horizon. And there he is. Jesus is touching lives. It's not everybody. It's not all at once. It's not all of those things that are going to... It's still coming. That's coming. But it gives you a clue. It gives you a clue that that's there. This thing is part of what God has in mind. And just as true as that, the judgment will come. But this hope is there that those who fear his name, those who come to him, those who listen to him will experience this righteousness that brings that kind of freedom, that kind of joy, that kind of healing. And it's total. And he just works in our lives in such an incredible way. On to verse 3, the wicked will find their place. On the day when I act, you will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet, says the Lord of heaven's armies. There it is again. The Lord of heaven's armies. And he's talking to the people who are fearing his name and sometimes feel uh, attacked, put down less than around others who now they're getting rich they're they're persecuting they have power in the government or whatever all those other kind of things are but they're the arrogant and the wicked and he's saying now that time will come and you will walk on them as if they are dust under your feet that whole idea of regarding others as inferior and do scorn there's going to be a right way to do that and that time will come and he's bringing it So he's letting them, uh, again, letting them know that. And then back in verse 4. Obedience is vital. Remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant, all the decrees and regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai for all Israel. So he's taking them back to that time when that that was all given, a thousand years earlier. And says, remember all that. I gave you that for a reason because I want you to be different. I want you to demonstrate to the world that having a relationship with me means something. That is so unique, so distinct, so wonderful that the rest of the world, the other nations will come to me, which is his goal is to bring everybody back into the family. So remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant, all the decrees and regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai for all Israel. So this isn't just for the priests and the prophets and the guys who are, you know, professionals. This is for everybody. Doesn't that require that everybody know what those things are? I mean, the Ten Commandments, that would probably stretch most people just to come up with that. There are 613 that he gave. That's more than 10. And that doesn't include all the principles, all, and he's saying all the decrees and regulations, all of it for all Israel. Remember, get back there. Know what the scriptures say. 
Because I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to hold you responsible to follow through on those things. What does that mean? That's, that's the person who fears his name, who listens, who knows what it is, and do it. They do what he has said. They don't ignore it. They want to get close. They want to know more. He says, watch for Elijah. In verse 5, look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. You go, whoa. Okay, so the day's coming. We haven't gotten to this one yet. We've had previews, but we haven't had this one yet. I'm sending you the prophet Elijah. So does he bring him back to life? Is he, you know, how how does that work? Because Elijah died hundreds of years before this is written. So how, or is it a type, a kind of Elijah, another person like Elijah that he's talking about? And there's some really, I mean, there's some fun stuff to run with that. But I'm going to take you to this, the Elijah to come. So 400 years after that was written in Malachi 4, we find this in Matthew 11. For before John came, all the prophets and the law of Moses looked forward to this present time. And if you are willing to accept what I say, this is Jesus speaking. He is Elijah, the one the prophets said would come. What? Yeah, John the Baptist, the cousin, Jesus' cousin. And he's saying, that's Elijah has come. And then this has, this has taken place. Oh, that's, okay, that's pretty dang amazing. What's he supposed to do? Well, John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah. And this is in John, first chapter. I am a voice shouting in the wilderness. Clear the way for the Lord's coming. Isaiah 40, verse 3. So he's quoting the scripture. He's the prophet. He's Elijah who has come. He's announcing the way of the Lord coming, that Jesus the Messiah has come. That's not the final one. Because we were talking about the furnace and the wicked and the, that final judgment. That's, that's not yet. It's the beginning. We learn something significant. Here's the son of righteousness. He's come. We know, we know his name. We know what he did. And we know what he's capable of. And he's coming again. So it's just the beginning. And if you recall, Jesus met with Elijah and Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration. So there's Elijah's around. That was the real Elijah, not resurrected. He just, I mean, he just, Jesus says, hey, guys, come on out. Let's talk. And they, so, you know, they come, which is a good thing when you're talking to him. John says this is what he did. He announced the Lord's coming. So that's the beginning of the sunrise. The Messiah has come. Further in Malachi, verse 6, there's, there's a, a way that this begins to show up in people's lives. So this is the outcome of family relationships. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. And he, he's giving that option once again. You listen to me. You do what I've told you to do. You, you draw near because you fear my name. You're, you're going to live in a way that is righteous and do the things I've given you to do. And this is what happens. It will begin to bring people together, bring families together who have been divided. 
and broken. And it's going to heal the hearts of the children. So some things are going to happen. But what if people don't? That's why he says, I will come and strike the land with a curse. Don't want to listen? Curse. Come to me, healing. Come to me and I will change the way things work in families, the way we've seen earlier, how the land produces, all of it. We go, I don't know. I don't know if, you know, we need to vote the right way. If we vote the right way in the big elections, we can change the world. It makes some difference. The big one is here. How are we, beginning with us, beginning with our hearts, our relationship with our Lord, us, how do we relate to him? And when we do uh, positively relate and listen, then we get these kind of results, the healing, the healing of hearts. The, and imagine that happens in, in an individual, a couple, a family, extends to a community, and it gets wider, and it can just become... And that's God's plan is to, you know, reach the nations. Uh, there's some other things that are going to happen in between, and that is kind of where we are on this next one. God's judgment is real. Hebrews 10.31, it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That is written to the people in the church Hebrews 10 is written not to outsiders, but those who claim Christ, those who are reading the book of Hebrews and say Jesus is real, that he rose from the dead, that he's the son of God. Those people, but they're not living faithfully. They're not, they're not buying the whole thing. They do some, not all. So it's just, you know, kind of, they still want to, control their thing they just want to be uh, in charge they want to be arrogant then they want to be wicked and they want to get away with it and the lord's making it clear that just will not go well it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living god because he knows everything about us he knows our motives he knows what our thoughts are he knows what we've done all of our excuses just fall apart. But Lord, you know, I, you, you don't know how bad it's been for me. Or, you know, I just, I had such a bad childhood. Lots of people have a bad childhood and don't have to do what you're doing or act like you're acting. Huh. Maybe they had a good childhood and just decided to go off the rails. Either way, it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Back to the other, the son of righteousness will rise. And you will go free and leap with joy. That is our hope. That is our hope. So we have a uh, something in store for us that's waiting. All of this hasn't come. We've seen the beginning like a sunrise. It's just beginning. The light's shining. It's available. Gives us a clue. This is real. This is, this is good stuff. And Jesus has come, and he's coming back, and these things will unfold. And he will deal with these kind of circumstances. The judgments come in this life and in the next. So when we hit consequences or we feel what we feel, and we go, oh, where did that come from? 
You know, it just could be that we're not listening to the Lord and we're far from him. And as a result of that, there are consequences and they catch us. Is there hope? Yeah, because he says, return to me and I will return to you. And there's a future. He's not done yet. And, and all those things. But where's the God of justice? Well, he's dealing with things now in the short run, but he's also going to deal with it ultimately. It's coming. Those things are coming. We're not done yet. There's more to come. So here are the lessons from Malachi. Lessons from Malachi. Respect the Lord and honor him. We've had that since the first chapter. Respect the Lord, honor him. And man, you can't get any you know, much better than, than, than that particular thing. The, uh, what's being called the, the revival that's happening there in Kentucky is a, uh, an interesting one because they, they've had times when out of a uh, powerful preaching or a group getting together and really firing up some people, some things have, have gotten going. The revivals that are kind of amazing to me are the ones that start accidentally, like they're not really shooting for a revival they're just getting together. So these students just got together in the chapel. They didn't have. They did have a speaker, and he 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 spoke on some things that were true and and worthwhile. He didn't work them up. Didn't get them into a sweat. There wasn't a big band that that pulled it all together, or a huge concert, or any emotional thing added to it. It just grabbed students, and the students started experiencing the presence of the Lord. They began to fall on their knees and pray. They began to open up to him, recognizing his holiness. Recognizing his holiness. For those who fear my name, remember that? We've seen that one, to honor him over and over in the book of Malachi. That's what's happening in those chapels. And all of a sudden, God's showing up in a, in a different way. The Holy Spirit is moving among them in, a, in, in, in a, a way that just fires them up. The first awakening that happened in America, a colony, it, it, Edwards, Jonathan Edwards is speaking, and he's reading a manuscript. And he, apparently his voice was irritating. He had his little glasses, and he's reading. He's got the fake wig on, you know, the whole back in the day, 1700s. And he's reading his manuscript, and people went, whoa, got their attention, the Holy Spirit moves on them, and it moved across the colonies, and it moved people closer to God, it opened up doors for understanding, and and understanding the value of human beings, and God's will, and where he wanted to take people, as a result of that, uh, by the time you get to 1776, people are thinking different. And that didn't happen before, which is interesting because we've had hundreds of years and the British monarchy's been around for hundreds of years. But after that moment, the way people thought and how God moved among them changed, changed their thinking. So now we have a country built on other principles, biblical ones that came from that and some other inputs but you go, okay, they honored the Lord, something happened, second great awakening, 
fussing out 1800s. We got another one. It starts reaching people. And, and there was another prayer one that started in 1858. So by 1861, we got a war splitting this nation to uh, straighten some things out. Probably has no relationship to the prayer revival thing that happened in 1858. But, you know, coincidence. God is at work going, we've got to straighten some things out. We need judgment on one hand. There's some wicked, arrogant people we need to deal with. And there's good that we need to bring out. Let's deal with that. Bring it all together. We had another, well, we've had a number of those. 1905, the Welsh one. It also was in L.A. It spread Azusa Street. And we have the, the one for this school is the one in 1970, which is also the time of the Jesus people movement and all those things are happening. So we've got a number of things that are unfolding. But we are at a point in time where God is still real, God is still active, and it is our decision to draw near and let him come to us. Because, I mean, he's everywhere present, but he's just waiting for us to get our attitudes straight and to get our priorities straight and to honor him. And when we do, amazing things happen. Respect and honor him. Rebellion disrespects the Lord and leads to disaster. Rebellion disrespects the Lord and leads to disaster. So doing it our own way, uh, demanding our thing, and if you do that, and, and you're an employee working for somebody, and you go, I don't care what your rules are. I don't want to make widgets. You were hired to make widgets. Get back there on the line and make some widgets. I don't want to make widgets. That's rebellion. I just don't want to do what you want me to do. Well, then should you be paid? Should you have insurance? Should you receive? What should you receive? I don't know. Here we go. We got... Um, Rebellion disrespects the Lord who's saying, I've got something for you. I love you. I want you to have more. I want you to experience all the goodness that is, is possible. What if we decide to rebel in our families with the people around us that are closest to us or in our church or in our community? And we just, I don't understand why things are falling apart. Uh, how about... Really? Rebellion? Results? God is waiting for us. Respect the Lord, honor Him. All that other leads to disaster. Returning to the Lord brings Him close. Over and over He said that in Malachi. And this, as the prophet is speaking to the people, relationships are important and should be treated well. Even, even when he sends Elijah, when he sends John the Baptist, the whole idea is to turn the hearts of the children to their fathers, to heal families, to begin to build these relationships and to make something better. It sounds like a good plan for us and for America and for the world. Lessons from Malachi. And we have to start with understanding the Lord of Heaven's armies. And who he is. Who he is, what he does, where he's going, what he's trying to accomplish, and that he wants to include us in the process. We get to be blessed. And we get to uh, 
see the results, the good results of all of that just by, just by loving him, honoring him. So I invite you to do that. If you've been far from him, this is the day. Turn to him. Return to the Lord, and he'll return to you. Respect the Lord. Honor him. Wherever rebellion exists, get rid of it. Start here. Start now. Whatever that may be. Let's honor him, the Lord of heaven's armies. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the prophet from Malachi, for the message, for the messengers that you have included in this book that laid the way for the coming of your son, for the coming of your son, and we get the report by the time we turn the pages to the book of Matthew. Thank you for the things that you have done, revealing yourself. Thank you that the sun is rising and that we get to be part of all of that. Forgive us, Lord, our stubbornness, maybe our wickedness and arrogance that we've held on to. And Lord, remind us or point out where the rebellion may exist in some area of our lives that still needs to be dealt with so that we might return to you and we might be embraced in your love in your holiness, in your goodness. And it is in the precious and powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen.